the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. And I want to welcome you to another Monday edition of Lifeline here, two days before our coveted time of celebrating our Lord's birth and um, a bit nippy, if I might say so myself, a little cool. And you you want to be sure that uh, as you are scurrying about for gifts and uh, food and things of that nature for the celebration, it's forthcoming that you uh, make sure your skull is covered, your body is well taken care of. Make sure you get your rest. Make sure you take your vitamins, probiotics, and um Every other necessary element to build your immune system against what we already see is a kind of growing uh, uh, influenza uh, epidemic. Um, Thankfully, I'm doing well right now. I hope you are as well. But we do have loved ones that are sick and ill and, you know, all of that kind of stuff that comes with this time of the year. So, so complex, isn't it? So filled with the tension of... uh, good things and uh, hopeful things and yet difficult things as well. Let's see here. Over the last maybe seven or eight, ten years, one of the things I have uh, been aware of when it comes to the celebration of uh, Chris, uh, Christmas, particularly during the time when as a as a music uh, minister, music um uh, Collaborate among many in our church. We are working on programs to to bless the congregation. We do. We did ours this Sunday. I don't know about you, but we did our Christmas program this Sunday, and it went super well. I mean, extremely well. And uh, I was just ruminating on it today as we were taking down our staging and returning it to the rental company. How over the years, if you really stick to something, it it can become a real honor to God. Perseverance and uh, dedication and commitment and and um, and aspiration for excellence are things that God honors. He really does honor them. They are in indicators also of integrity when one is able to persevere. Uh, maintain the course and then build on that course, course cultivate better habits, uh, be be diligent about uh, the integrity of uh, collaboration and work towards relevant, relevant uh, programs and presentations that really do bless the souls of the people. And we are moderately there uh, looking at where we have come from, but uh, very happy for our outcome yesterday. I really, truly hope that your Sunday was good as well and that you had a refreshing time of uh, recommitment to the glory of God, a, a time of uh, visitation with the Spirit of God, and and hopefully the Father showed you His Son. We saw Him in Revelation chapter 12 
a glorious woman clothed in the sun, moon under her feet, 12 stars on her head as a crown of victory and triumph through the uh, patriarchal and apostolic um, foundation building of the Church of Jesus Christ, that universal body of believers from every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue, ultimately called the New Jerusalem, the Holy Jerusalem, the Jerusalem which is above and is the mother of all true believers. Had a great time, and uh, <clears throat> but ready to celebrate in the next couple of days with my grannies, and I hope you are as well. Well, what can we talk about today? The the phone lines are going to be open for conversations and topics that, uh, well, we can just share with regards to moving towards the end of the year. You may have questions. You may have observations. There may be some things that are on your mind that you might want to discuss and um uh, You get a chance to do that because I brought no particular heartline subject today, nothing of any specific theme by which I would unpack for you like we did last week with the tree. I got a lot of responses over the Christmas tree hymns, poems, if you will, both the discernment poem and the um, enlightenment poem that I shared with you last week. Just a lot of good questions, a lot of good responses, some challenges. You know, whenever you deal with people's traditions, you're going to shake them up a bit. But it was good and it was worth it. And the outcome in terms of uh, feedback was really, really, really good. So here's what I want to do with you, Jesse Gistan, talking to you on the Monday edition of Lifeline, KFAX 1100 AM on your dial is what you're listening to. I want to open the phone lines. You may have some spiritual concerns. You may have some personal issues, some theological ones, biblical ones, whatever they may be, emotional, psychological. If you've been with us for years now, you know we cover that gamut. So here's a great opportunity to bring a question to PJ. one 367 to call with your Bible question, with your comments, with your observations about where we are. Um, You'll get a few minutes to chat with me, and I'd love to hear from you on this Monday edition of Lifeline. Like I said, no real topics that um, that I'm I'm, uh, bringing. Maybe something will become uh, central to our dialogue, central to our discourse. And if you want to do that, Give me a call. Be glad to talk to you about uh, everything from A to Z concerning the will and purpose of God as is revealed to us in the word of God. And uh, to the extent that I have lived in this world some almost 60 years now, 60 years. Isn't that amazing? I was looking at one of the um, one of the uh, Christmas cards that. Uh, are given to me. A lot of them are, and I'm so thankful for it, for that, to particularly members at Grace. Way too many for me to, I remember the years ago when we first started and we were able to, me and my wife would be able to sit down and write everyone personally and, uh, and just share our, uh, cards with them. But, um, uh, these days is way too many people. So I just want to say Merry Christmas to all of you who have uh, spent the time either by email or by um, postcard or some of the other form to let us know how much our ministry and my ministry has, has meant to you over the year. 
Merry Christmas to you. Have a great Christmas celebration with health and strength and joy and fullness in the presence of God in Christ. And let's get ready to bust into the new year, praying and calling upon God, yielding to the help of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, to lead us into new venues of impactfulness for the glory of God in Christ. I've got two lines open, and as I stated, be glad to chat with you on topics that are relevant to us and salient to our identity as believers in Jesus Christ. And uh, maybe I can help you. That's what I'm here for and wanting to do that. Um, Think about it now. Think about it. I'm getting ready to take a break. What can I take advantage of in terms of something to share with our larger and broader audience that might be helpful to them or helpful to me on the Monday edition of Lifeline. one 367 5329 is the number to uh, reach me at. Again, we've got two, two Sundays to go, this Sunday forthcoming, and then the new year. Time moves so quickly, doesn't it? It just it just ushers on and uh if you don't if you're not careful, you'll look up and you'll realize that you're about at the end of the line, brother, sister. Your train is about to come into its destination and you will be headed to your long home wherever that is. It just is an amazing thing to me. As I stated, I was looking at one of the uh, Christmas cards of a family and I get lots of them of the families in our churches and all of the kids of this family were babies when I knew them first came to grace. These are long-term members, which is really an interesting thing too. Uh, The stats are in all around America. And this has been going on for decades now that your average church member only stays in a local church two to five years. Uh, Just that itch hits them after the fifth year. If if they haven't learned what it means to dig deep roots and to to be part of an effectual witness in the community, uh, both in in inreach and outreach, the average couple will move on for one reason or the other. There's a whole litany of reasons why people don't settle down and stay in the church from the pulpit to the pew. From the family to the single person, just a whole litany of things, economically, financially, socially, and definitely spiritually, uh, which makes the role of the pastorate in many places very precarious. How does a brother uh, maintain confidence of being able to do a ministry for 30 or 40 years uh, and and then be able to to retire in a, a dignified, honorable way? Uh, when you've got church members, uh, you know, uh, slated to leave every three to five years, how how do you build a local church community that can do 40, 50, 60 years in a robust and in a vital and relevant way? That that, that really is an, an, another profound topic that we could discuss if you want to, because we're on our 24th, 25th year at Grace. And of course, you know, there are churches who have been around for hundreds of years, but I would argue that many of those churches that are around for hundreds of years had the benefit of a stable culture. That's right. When you read about churches that have existed for 100 years, 125 years, 150 years, look at the culture that surrounded that church. They were nowhere near as mobile and variegated and transient as the culture in which our churches are today. These days, it is very difficult 
to look forward to raising whole families in the church and then to boot their grandchildren. Um, that's just almost an anomaly in the kind of cities you and I live in. Smaller flyover states where people, you know, buy their home and live in their home and die in their home and grandkids get the home. That That's something a little bit different. And even those states, even those smaller churches, because I know lots of small congregational pastors, even those churches are, are, are dealing with somewhat of a, a subtle but relevant change in that dynamic as well. So the pastor has a real task on his hand of being able to maintain somewhat of a stable income relative to the idea of, uh, of, of a local church uh, ministry for 30, 40 years. Um, but if you have, you've been blessed. All right, I've got three lines open, one 888 You can call me and chat with me about whatever's on your heart and mind. Let's see if we can make it something worthy of an extended conversation on the Monday edition of Lifeline, one 367 one is the number to reach yours truly. Jesse Gistan on the Monday edition of Lifeline. I'm going to take a break, and then we'll be right back with your calls. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back the time, 523 on this Monday edition of Lifeline. You are listening to KFAX 1100 on your AM dial. The number to reach me is one 888 with your question, comments, or observations. Two lines open if you want to chat with yours truly, one 888 3675-329-1888-3675-329. Let's go to line one and talk with Mark in San Jose. Mark, what is your uh, question or comment today? My comment is, is we are uh, praying and working towards uh, recalling Gavin Newsom as our governor. So mm-hmm. those of you that are registered voters, you need to sign this thing and pray about it because... Uh, the man is truly, he's as bad as Pelosi. They're actually related. Um, he took Trump off the ballot, and our Supreme Court had to reverse that and say, no, you do have the right to vote in California. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, and uh, you want me to read this thing? No. Do you? Why? No. Okay. No. That's way too long. Tell us the salient reason for which we need to uh, recall uh, Navin Goosum, as I call him, and and then uh, is there a time limitation? Is something time sensitive to this issue? February thirteenth, the last day. We need two million four hundred thousand by then. February thirteenth is the last two thousand twenty. February two thousand. Uh, does anyone know what's going on right now, Mark, with the recall? How is the vote being get gotten out? Are people hearing about it or what? Well, they are through you, and uh-huh. uh, so, uh, you know, it's a ground thing where we're just, uh, you know, getting out there, knocking on doors, and uh, having people sign this, because it is very important. He wants the illegal aliens to, uh, you know, be able to vote, have our same votes, and I was talking with a guy about three weeks ago uh, who did work in California and is still doing work in California as on vote fraud, and he said it's uh, 40 we have 40 percent more uh, Republicans than we think we do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, there's a lot of vote fraud. I've mentioned before when I ran for city council in San Jose, there was definitely vote fraud in my case. You know, I'm not saying I would have won, but 
Well, yeah, you know, then you're talking about really dealing with and addressing the process, the methodology by which the votes are uh, account accounted for. So much of that, which is a big subject matter on a on a national level as well. Number a number of of uh, you know leading uh, proponents to to revamp this system have demonstrated voter fraud, but unfortunately that becomes a topic both on the Democratic side as well as the uh, Republican side. And so, in my opinion, Mark, that the this needs to be revamped so that we can stop all of the um, all of the um, uh, defrauding that takes place in that process, because the American people don't really get to know how how frequently the fraud takes place. And it seems like the media is completely uh, silent on that matter, even though they have known for many, many years that we have questionable outcomes when it comes to voting places like in Florida as well. Just very difficult time exposing uh, people who are engaging in voter fraud and, uh, and, and things of that nature. But that would be a oh, huge, yeah. huge can of worms. Are you getting any kind of feeling as you talk to people about wanting to recall Navin Goosem? Well, uh, they're very galvanized. They're either very glad that I asked them right. or very angry that I asked them. Right. And uh, like you mentioned before, I mean, if you go to Project Veritas with James O'Keefe, it's right along those lines that you were you were right. talking about. Right. Huge vote fraud. And to, I, I'm still amazed that he took Trump's name off the ballot. I mean, just let that sink down. It was, wasn't it in the 1920s we allowed the women to vote? And, you know, right? And... Uh, he took away our right to vote, and he literally had to be told by the Supreme Court, no, you can't do that. These Democrats are anarchists. Right. It, and I pray every day that God will destroy the Democratic Party in leadership. I really do. Well, he ain't going to do that. I, I can tell you he's well, not going to do that. I and mean, I'll tell you why. Because God raises up the basest of men to rule over our nations. And because more, far more important than politics is getting the gospel out and what has to happen for the church to actually be motivated and driven and, if you will, um, uh, radicalized to preach the gospel is that we have to enter into levels of suffering before the gospel becomes prominent. We are living way too deeply into a Laodicean paradigm, and and we don't feel it. That's one of the reasons I was asking you, what kind of sentiment are you getting? Because what he did was, was uh, you know, tantamount to just, you know, throwing the Constitution out. And I think he did it because don't nobody care. For one thing, they just don't care. And then the, the liberals who de- do get the media, you know, they they can enjoy that if he can throw Donald Trump off the off the voting list and nobody cares or nobody does anything about it. Then there's that's one more year where California is always presumed to be a liberal state. When you know, in terms of per capita numbers, we can actually question that. Uh, but the powers, no doubt, the power structures in Sac- Sacramento, no doubt, are dominated by by liberals and, uh, uh, you know, uh, neo-progressives who basically collapse up under the same uh, model of, of, of sentiment and worldview. But there is a lot more conservatives in California than people want to admit to. It's just that Californians do not believe 
uh, we we really don't believe that there's going to be much done uh, by getting out and sweating and toiling politically. See, I'm very ambiguous about it. I'll vote on the national level, uh, but I'm not super excited about about my, my California politicians. I'll be honest with you. I've seen them lying and conniving and manipulating and doing this and that for years, both in terms of conservatives as well as uh, Democrats, with the exception of a few conservatives. We got some really few really good conservatives in California that I that I do respect. But the battle is enormous. And I think in terms of the church, the church uh, will not be a significant player in that until God is ready to kind of put a fire of tribulation under the church to get it back to its fundamental job of, of prophetically preaching the gospel and priestly caring for real soul and spiritual needs. Nevertheless, February 13th, 2020, is the last day of uh, an opportunity for one to get on and and, and do a recall for Navin Goosem to try to remove him and get somebody more worthy of the office. If you are so inclined to want to support that cause, you can. Project uh, Viratas is a place to go uh, to get more information on it. All you have to do is Google, you know, uh, Newsom recall, and you'll be able to get involved that way as well. So maybe we'll chat about this in the new year. Uh, 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 Mark and see how it goes between now and then. We've got two months, a month and a half, if you will, six, seven weeks. So we'll see how it goes in a couple of weeks. If he doesn't get recalled, well, God's still on his throne. Thanks for the call. I've got to take a break. I've got three lines open. one 367 5329 one Love to hear from you on any topic that you feel like you want to talk about. That could help us to put together a good hour and a half of uh, of, of spiritual discourse. After this break, one triple eight three six seven five three two nine is the number to reach yours truly on the Monday edition of Lifeline. We'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time five thirty six. I've got two lines open. One triple eight. Three six seven five three two nine one triple eight three six seven five three two nine. If you want to call and chime in on our topic or another topic, you are welcome to do so. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine to talk to yours truly, Jesse Gistan. Let me go to line number three and talk with Dan in Sonoma. Dan, what's going on, man? Just a matter of um, weeks ago. Uh, I was not thinking about listening to a broadcast that uh, Family Life Today was doing, but then when I got the chance to listen to it on the weekend, I decided I would listen to this for about half an hour. It turned out to be a very relevant topic mm. about having a grumble-free household. Having so a what? solution is having a grumble-free 2020. I'm already having a hard time with it. Definitely something that requires the Holy Spirit's intervention. Right. But you got to check with God here. I'm trying to check in like every two or three hours, four hours with God. Am I grumbling right now? What are my issues that I'm murmuring or grumbling about? Mm-hmm. There's another way to say it. You, you don't have to say it in a negative fashion. You don't have to attack people's character. If there's an issue to be mentioned, as you know, there are men- issues that must be mentioned, but it doesn't have to be done in a grumbling way. Right. And if people hear this, this uh, podcast is still floating out there. Uh, the the topic was really good when they put it on Family Life Today and uh, Grumble Free. 
a grum uh, a, a grumble free Christmas. But that's uh-huh. right. You said a grumble free holiday season or a grumble free. I said home. 2020. We got to make a whole year out okay, of it. I, 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 can, I can do. I can. I, I'll get on. The, I'll get on that train with you. I'll, Dan. I will get on that train. I will get on that course. I will run that course with you for 12 months, for sure. I am fully an advocate of attitudinal adjustment of the integrity of walking in the. And what I have said for years are the intangible expressions of the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, a grumble-free year. And and that was on uh, Family Life Today. Yeah, uh, she was talking about noting it in her family and asking her kids not to grumble. They said, Mom, you're grumbling at us. And she, oh, yeah, well, I got to stop grumbling at you. My kids need to stop grumbling. And it became a... uh, a difficult topic assignment. Yeah, uh, and uh, within two or three days of my noticing that I had to stop grumbling, it got harder, and uh, issues came up that tested me, and it's still testing me. And uh, you know, I, it. I knew it said in the New Testament to stop murmuring and stop grumbling. Said it in Paul's epistles, right? And yet, it called it to my attention. You're going to have to work on this. You're going to have to do some work to stop grumbling. It's not like, okay, I choose not to grumble, therefore I don't. It's more work. You, you, um, it requires reanalyzing, reevaluating. It requires reframing issues to not grumble about it. Uh, it requires... Uh, Re-evaluation, it requires um, getting enough sleep, uh, it requires eating properly, it requires a lot of things that are going to affect whether you're going to grumble, whether I'm going to grumble, and even attitudes about, you just had covered in the last 15 minutes, a biblical framework about politics, or right. you're going to grumble about politics, right. and uh, I mean... It covers everything. The the Israelites leaving Egypt and walking into Canaan land grumbled. Yep. Without a doubt. The topic that you are bringing up here, uh, if you were pastoring, uh, Dan, in a black church, some of the deacons would say, you're going to Medlin now, preacher. <laughs> you're well, going to uh, Medlin now, preacher. Our, our church used to observe the Feast of Tabernacles, and one of my friends brought his wife up to the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh-huh. And within two or three days when she brought her kids up there, she said, this is not the Feast of Tabernacles, it's the Feast of Tears. Right. This is the Feast of Trials. Right. Because she was having a hard time up there with bringing, relocating her kids and shopping and getting people to sleep and getting them up in the morning and going to church and everything. Uh you could call it the Feast of Tears, you could call it the Feast of Tabernacles, or you could call it the Feast of Trials. So what is it? You're spending your week trying to worship the Lord. Uh, uh, you can expand on that if you so choose, but... Uh, well, you're, you're, at. At, you're at the heart of the distinction between thankful people and unthankful people. I could easily launch into... A, uh, a commentary uh, on this, because at the heart 
of the murmuring and disputing that Paul frequently tells the local churches of which they were notorious for. Uh, Romans 14 deals with it, disputing over uh, irrelevant things such as Sabbath days and feast days and whether it's okay to drink in moderation or not. And so many things of that nature, the apostle Paul warned the church at Rome not to get caught up in. And of course, in, in Philippi, a beautiful fellowship that uh, supported Paul extensively had a constituency in it that was given to the very thing that you're talking about for which the apostle said in Philippians chapter two, verse 14, do everything without murmuring and disputing. And our Greek term there for murmuring is a word that's equivalent to grumbling. In fact, it would be translated that way in uh, the New American Standard Version and the uh, uh, International Version, or just the NAV. And the word gungusmus, gungusmus is the Greek term, and it's a it's one of those... Um, uh, muttering terms that Greek grammar talks about the Matabara of Matthew 5 when Jesus said, do not be like the Pharisees who use vain repetitions when they pray. They Matabara, they Matabara, poeta. It's a kind of expression that is empty words that have no content and, and rooted not in any kind of uh, real benevolence for God, but just kind of making noise. And what grumbling is, is making noise and remarkably like you said, Dan, they 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 grumbled while they were being delivered out of Egypt. They grumbled in the promised land. And and God said it in the book of Leviticus 26. I remember preaching this years ago to our congregation when we were a small, a small group. And I had come across a covenant expression in Leviticus 26 where God had said, because you did not rejoice in the Lord your God, nor in his provisions for you, nor in the feast days, nor in the celebratory days that I had required and called you to, for which I provided for you all of the necessary means in order to take a break from your normal, everyday, arduous work and celebrate me, including the Feast of Tabernacles that you're talking about. He said, because you would not rejoice in the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt, I will send plagues upon you and I will send famine and I will send the curse until you understand how good I have been to you. And at the heart of grumbling, uh, at the foundation of grumbling is a, an unthankful attitude. That's Romans one, because they did not know God and they were unthankful, they manifested a lack of recognition of God's goodness in their life. And it it it, it, it was expressed in terms of negativity, in terms of uh, hostility, in terms of variance and conflict. And of course, that's a fruit of the flesh, Galatians chapter 5. As you would know, verse 17 and 18, uh, emulations and wars and strifes are rooted. They are the expression or manifestation of grumbling, and it is the wisdom that that is from below. Satan loves to have families grumbling and husbands and wives grumbling and murmuring and, and, and the people of God murmuring and disputing because it indicates two things, that God is not good. It gives the signal that God is not good. And then it also indicates that he is not worthy to be thanked and lived for in a thankful way for all that he has done for us. The enemy just rejoices when uh, when the people of God find themselves in that mode. And, and 
to uh, to to, to kind of cap this before I take a break, and I'd love to expand on it more because it's such a intrinsically diabolical trait of human nature. Uh, what happens is, Dan, when we are not effectively taught how to be thankful from an early age, and I can tell you I, I, this is virtually everywhere. It is a plague. It's like leprosy in the body of Christ in families, period. This lack of thankfulness manifests itself in people being critical and people being cynical and pe- people being pessimistic and people being argumentative. In effect, murmuring and complaining and grumbling is rooted in unbelief because unbelief blinds you to the enormous benefits of God's grace that are already in our lives. And so we will act like God is stingy. We will act like God doesn't care. We will act like God doesn't provide. We will act like God is not good. We will act like um, God doesn't bring about comfort and joy and satisfaction and, and security in our lives. We will act like we have a heavenly father that doesn't really show up at the house that much every now and then we hear him come in late at night when we're already in the bed and he leaves early in the morning before we get up and we don't hardly ever see him or see the evidences of his presence and goodness in our life. We'll act like that. And human beings who don't know God act like that. Believers who say they know God should never act like that, but way too much they do. And as a pastor, here's what I'll say as I get ready to wind it down. I'd love to hear from others of you on this topic. This is a great therapeutic uh, topic of a deep spiritual nature that we can engage in before we reach the holiday where this will become the central offense for somebody in the gathering who just wants attention or just wants to be a party. Spoiler, the issue of murmuring and disputing becomes so deeply ingrained in a person's being that it actually shapes their personality. I know believers who automatically grumble at everything. I watch them and I go, that is proceeding from their their trained, culturized nature. They don't even see it as a problem. It's so much of a knee-jerk reaction that they are uh, pessimistic, that they are complaintive is the other term that's used. They don't see it. Now, we all have it in our system. But when you grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, when you are really calling upon the spirit of God to help you restrain that impulse to be inclined to be judgmental at the level of triviality, because that's where it is. It is a judgmentality, a a a uh, a, a self-righteous judgmentalism that's rooted in triviality, like the grumbler grumbles about every little thing and it really doesn't even require the grumbling. It's just, it's just automatic with him. It's like an, it's like an OCD uh, uh, syndrome. It's like an, it's like a, a consequence of some kind of addictive behavior pattern pathology that has to really be like you said, Dan uh, prayed about thought through deeply. And I'll say this, we really do want God to convict us deeply. I mean, the kind of conviction that stays with us while we are transforming out of that kind of attitude, disposition, uh, uh, form of expression, uh, uh, mental, emotional, psychological, and spiritual. 
Thanks for the call. Got to take a hard break. Two lines open. In fact, three. one 367 I'm going to continue on that particular one because I know that God used Dan to talk to some of you out there so we can have this conversation. You can call me about it if you want to. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right. The time, 554 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Thank you, Dan, for that topic of murmuring or uh, grumbling, if you will. <clears throat> I've got two lines open, one 888 if you want to chime in on it, if you're brave enough to do it. But before I go to uh, line number two, I just want to say about this matter of grumbling. One of the problems with grumbling is that it's an accepted sin among the people of God. It's an accepted sin. There are sins among the people of God that are acceptable sins, sins that are socially normative. Like when people do it, uh, no one really has the uh, fortitude to, to be a faithful friend. A faithful friend being someone who knows how to rebuke an individual for such an attitude in a gracious and right way. Remember, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. And sometimes uh, we will have an individual in our midst that we know has a reputation of being a grumbler, being a complainer, being the kind of person that loves to instigate things. The other word is begrudging, begrudging. We know we have those individuals among us. And then we have a spectrum of people who are attracted to them and will, like wolves in a wolf pack, engage in the same mass. Gagunzma, gagunzma is the Greek term, the matabara poetica, the, the, the it's kind of empty banter of words that are rooted in a complain about something that will frequently be completely trivial. But what they want to do is get stirred up emotionally and agree like a pack of wolves. And you hear wolves. And, And I know that seems like an extreme analogy, but if you take another believer who is much more disciplined and much more objective and really does not enjoy being in that kind of environment, They're standing on the outside watching that kind of dialogue. And for them, it is alienating because they know what the consequences of murmuring and grumbling is. The consequences, ladies and gentlemen, of murmuring and grumbling is strife and contention. And it's rooted in bitterness and jealousy and anger. Complainers and murmurers, uh, the people that Dan is talking about, are people who in the depths of their heart, their carnal nature, are still angry at someone, at God or somebody. Uh, and, And they're jealous and therefore filled with envy. This is why James says this this kind of wisdom is from below. It's earthly, sensual, devilish, and it wreaks havoc among people. I just I got people in my mind right now that I know every time they come into a community of people, they are not settled with anything unless it ends up being a topic that they want to tear someone down about. They just want to go after someone. And and God allows these kind of people in your lives. He lets them be in your life to show other believers how weak you are in your faith and how lacking one is in their love. See, when the Bible says 
perfect love cast out fear. And what God is saying is a mature love does not allow fear to stop them from exercising the boldness and confidence of what charity should be and saying to that love, well, hey, hey, we're not going to have that today. Today, we're not going to do that. And, and that individual will be willing to be the mark, the object of scorn and ridicule by that person they love and care about because they're going to stop that individual from toxifying the environment, stop that individual from impacting the attitude, the mood uh, and atmosphere of the environment they're in. They want to maintain a joyful environment, but that individual will be like a bull. He'll, he'll be like one of those, uh, one of those uh, wild bulls boars constantly running into the fence to break into the body politic of your fellowship and try to create it. If he can't do it or she can't do it surreptitiously, kind of on the down low, talking to people in the corner, they'll try to bust right into the middle of the conversation and turn it into something that is ugly. And it'll start off often like a joke. Like, this is how the enemy works with this. It'll start off in laughter, but that laughter will have the kind of bitterness of gall and wormwood. You know what I mean. It'll start off with laughter, but it won't drop it right there. It'll keep teasing that thing out until like a tennis ball is being passed around to everybody and even believers who know better are now condemned in the midst of that kind of dialogue and don't know how to actually change the conversation and change the atmosphere and change the sense of the mood in the room. Don't know how to do it because we're not that more mature in our faith. And this is what wrecks, totally wrecks all kinds of Christmas gatherings or uh, resurrection gatherings or birthday parties and whenever the families gather together because you've got people that are struggling with this particular issue of anger and jealousy and envy and, and strife and bitterness. Bitterness that leads to this kind of murmuring and complaining. Very good topic, Dan. It is so contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. Love. Joy. Goodness, meekness, temperance, self-control, faithfulness, and several of those kinds of positive qualities that should actually shape and frame who we are. This is how we can know that we're carnal over against being fleshly. Love, joy, goodness, meekness, temperance, faithfulness, self-control, qualities that you see in people who are absolutely contented with being near and close to God versus the individual that just has to grab somebody and create a a, a cacophony of complaints. Well, I'm going to take a break. I'll come back. I'll take my call on line two. There are three lines open. one 367 5329 Three lines wide open. We can flip it over into the next hour, bring up a new topic, or expand on this one. My goal is to help us try to overcome that this year. How would you attack that? How would you attack that situation where a loved one comes in with that kind of attitude? Somebody that may be even powerful in your household. And you know, you know, okay, how we know it's going to happen. We know it's going to happen when they come in. How would you address it? How would you approach it? How would you handle that? one 367 5329 I'll be right back. 